the memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red flood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, a winner. It won't be this time. The stories. Brucott to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans, from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the See What the Game website, and your host for the See What the Game podcast. For this preview episode, I am joined by Brad Geiger and Neil Langland. We will be taking you through the 2023 CU campaign and giving you our game-by-game predictions. Vegas has the over-under for CU at 3.5 wins. And the Pac-12 preseason media poll has CU finishing 11th in the conference. Meanwhile, there are many in the Buff Nation who have declared that anything short of a winning season and a bowl bid in Coach Prime's first season must be considered a disappointment. So, can the Buffs overcome a brutal September, which includes three ranked opponents and two games against bitter rivals? Will the Buffs be able to overcome the inevitable losses to injury, which may be suffered by players at key positions? Will Coach Prime be able to lead the Buffs to only their third winning season as a member of the Pac-12? Let's find out. Okay, and we're back. Joined by Brad Geiger in... Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Brad, how are you doing? I'm doing great. As uh, the summer ends and the fall approaches, life gets pretty impressive. Excited for the new year. Okay. And rising above everything in downtown Denver is Neil Langland. Colorfully dressed. Too bad we're not doing this on video, but Neil came for the party. How's Neil doing today? It's fine. I'll describe my shirt. It's from July 4th. 2019, the last day of the season at A Basin. It's a souvenir, so I'm just, I can't ski, so I'm just pretending. <laughs> yes. The only person is hair raising. I have had pulled out what little hair I have left, but I'm ready to talk some CU football. Yeah, it's nice to be talking about some football. We could talk about the the Orphan Four and the future of CU and the Big 12, but we'll have plenty of time to digest all those news stories down the line because we want to actually talk about football and the 2023 season, the swan song for uh, at least the Pac-12 as we know it. Uh, There may be a Pac something in the future, but at least the Pac-12 as it's historically been known will cease to exist after this season. Colorado is going to Open its season, as everyone well knows, uh, Big Fox noon kickoff, 10 a.m. Mountain Time, 
in Fort Worth. It's been 100 degrees for like at least the last 10 days or so in Texas and probably going to be 100 degrees plus for the next 10 days. So maybe 10 a.m. kickoff is better than a 1.30 p.m. kickoff. But Brad, we'll start with you. We'll just keep going. We'll just um, go back and forth and do our predictions for each game. Last year, full disclosure, we did this and I think all of us came up with a high end of a five and seven. Hopeful record for the University of Colorado. We came up with different wins for different games, but I think we all ended up around five and seven, which of course became the the one in 11 forgettable 2022 season. So we did better week by week when we were doing our predictions. I woke back and I was 10 and two straight up and nine and three against the spread last year in predictions game by game. But of course, for the Last three quarters of the season, it was pretty easy to predict the outcome of a Colorado football game. So might be a little bit more difficult. Uh, the prognosticators are all over the map in terms of what's going to happen with the brand new Colorado Buffaloes. So, Brad, start with you. TCU, number 17 in the preseason AP poll. Big noon, Saturday, Fort Worth, Texas, Saturday, September 2nd. Who you got? I mean, this is okay. Nobody guessed that TCU was going to be as good as they were last year. And anybody who says they did, who didn't have horn frog merchandise in their closet already is lying to you. Um, and it was fun to watch after they beat us for the second half of that game to watch them go through and surprise people. This team is not as good as that team. They lost eight guys to the NFL draft. Um, and this is not a team. This is not like Alabama that can replace that kind of talent. They are certainly much better than we thought that they were going to be when we made this prediction last year, when I think I may have picked CU to beat TCU, but they are still particularly in coach prime's first game. They are at home. They are well coached. They are organized and they are simply better than any version of a team that CU is going to be able to put together on the first week. So I've got to just pick TCU in this one. It uh, it would be fun, and it may be possible that we'll stay again close in the first half, but it just this just feels like a learning game for the team. Yeah, well, 31 to 13 after a 7 to 6 halftime last year, and still would have beaten the spread, Neil. That I think it's still around 20 points. So do you have any hope for a 21.3 touchdown underdog on the road playing its first game under Coach Prime? Uh, actually, I don't. As Brad alluded to, this is a game of firsts, the first under Coach Prime and his uh, staff, the first for a new offense, first for a new defense, first game, uh, first game where they're going to be playing in very high temperature, high humidity that we just they haven't trained for. And there's just so many factors working against the Bucs. I'd like to think that the coaching staff has worked a miracle, but it's just too much to ask uh, for a first game to stay with TCU, which, as Brad mentioned, is well coached. Their talent level is still high. The question is, as you pointed out, Stewart, can CU cover it? And I think if they do, it'll be a, quite an accomplishment because I 
as, as optimistic as I would like to be. We just don't know enough about the CU team, uh, team yet. So I would say mm, take the over and TCU to cover. Not that okay. we're betting men. Right. And <laughs> well, we don't play at Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For those that are new to the podcast, um, we will be doing our actual game by game predictions and discussion in depth each week. And the podcast will go out early, usually on Monday or Tuesday of each week during the season. So we will discuss TCU in depth in another 10 days. But for now, I'm just going to give away my little easy. I've got four games that I see are automatic losses for this season. And this is unfortunately going to be one of them. I don't think it makes a whole lot of difference, even if it was in Boulder. Yes, TCU did lose a lot. And I do think that TCU is not going to be the undefeated team in November that they got last year. But uh, it's hard to see Colorado going on the road with, as you both mentioned, so many unknowns and pulling off this type of an upset. If we were playing North Texas uh, in Denton, might have a, a different outcome. But I think TCU, first game of the season on the road is too much to ask. So, Neil, I'll come back to you. We'll just keep swaying back and forth. Uh, Coach Prime's home opener, September 9th, 10 a.m. again. Good thing the Buffs have been practicing in August in the mornings because they have two early morning games to start the season. The hated Huskers come to Boulder, Colorado, first time since 2019's game. Who you got in the uh, the rematch of the old Big 8, Big 12 rivals? Well, I'm going to go with the cliche that most of the improvement or a great deal of improvement happens between the first and second game. So I'm, I think that CU, with benefit of their first game and being at home and being a big rivalry game and being before the home crowd against a, a hated rival that is also uh, in transition, I'm going to go out on a limb and take CU here just because I think the emotional edge that they'll have at this point is going to get them is going to overcome what they may lack in terms of execution and knowledge of the system. So it's a flyer, I realize, but I'll go with it. Okay, Brad, I think last time I checked, uh, Nebraska is still like a seven-point favorite in this game. And, of course, Matt Rule seems to have a Deion Sanders problem. They seem to be pretty obsessed with this game. Nebraska does open on the road against Minnesota. So they can't be playing, you know, Podunk State and planning everything for the CU game. they got a, a, a divisional rival game, Big Ten game to open the season. So Nebraska against Colorado in Boulder. Looking forward to the game. What's going to happen when we get there? God, I want this one. I want this as much as I wanted any game in years. I mean, it is fascinating, of course, that Matt Rule, who has 40 new players on his roster, suddenly figures that changing players and dumping people is a terrible tragedy against man and the soul and the ethics of college sports. Dion has given a lot of guys a lot of cover this fall. And, you know, I do appreciate that. As much as I hate the Huskers, the Huskers under Matt Rule are even more hateable. 
I, you know, the Huskers are almost as unknown as CU. And there is a chance that Minnesota just pounds them the week before. We have no idea what Nebraska is going to look like. We have no idea what CU is going to look like. And in two unknowns, I'm like, Neil, I'm going to go with my heart. Um, CU in a close one at home. Okay. Well, I think we're, I'm going to join you guys simply because I just cannot pick against CU against Nebraska. <laughs> It just rubs, like you say, it just rubs the wrong way. I don't know if Dion yet understands. I mean, he banned red in the champion center. So he's kind of getting the idea of what it means to have a game in against Nebraska. I'm sure he's being told that by every alumni that he has interactions with every donor that he gets to shake the hand of is going to say beat freaking Nebraska. It's a big game. First home game. Of course, Nebraska fans, you know, they show all on social media, they love to show the picture of the 2019 stands where it was mostly red, at least majority red. Of course, they don't show any pictures of the scoreboard from that game, but they do like to show pictures of the stands from the 2019 game. So it's going to be a a bloodbath, and it's going to be something I think, yeah, that the Buffs are going to want to win. And so... I got to go with the, the, I think the crowd is going to will this team to a win uh, in their first home game under Coach Prime. So we're all at one and one. And lo and behold, Brad, come back to you. We have another rivalry game. So uh, Rick George loaded up the schedule with rivals, another home game. It'll be 8 p.m. after two 10 a.m. games against Colorado State. The Rams coming to town on September 16th. One of two games that CU is probably going to be, at least as we speak today in the preseason, favored to win. What do you think about the the Lambkins coming to to Boulder, and what are CU's chances against the CSU in that game? Well, in this one, my heart and my head get to be together because that's a that's not a good CSU team. That's not a good CSU program. They are really struggling up in Fort Collins, and I take not a lot of joy on that. You know, I think it's it's better if they do well. But uh, CUCSU is becoming an example of the haves and the have-nots and the differences. Um, you know, CSU got their first four-star recruit in a decade on this team. Um, you know, this is – we will not have a lot of games where we can just go, we're going to out-talent the other guys. This is a game where we could out-talent these guys. And this one has the potential to actually not be pretty think CSU has got some real problems. I they're being picked to win three games and I think that's optimistic. So you know yeah, CU at two and one will be the national darlings if we can pull this off. Um so yeah I I think this is this should be one of the guaranteed wins. Okay. Neil uh a little gamesmanship on behalf of CSU. They're taking a bye week in week two so they can have an extra week to prepare for Colorado than having their players play 11 straight games. So they're pulling out all the stops, nothing they would like more than to topple Colorado and coach prime CSU going to catch C looking past CSU and uh, the Ramkins pull off an upset, or is this one you feel pretty comfortable about? Uh, I'm going to agree with Brad head and harder in the same place on this, but I do have some concerns. CU is going to really pull out everything they've got to beat Nebraska the weekend before that. 
So they're going to be a little tired emotionally. I think it's going to take them some effort to get up for the game. So it could be a trap game in some respects. CSU is going to be supremely motivated. As you mentioned, the respect of getting an extra week to prepare for CU. They are still hopping mad about CU stiffing them in, was it 2020 or 2021 during the COVID season when CU was scheduled to appear there and did not. They're very upset about that. And I think they're going to be supremely motivated. So it could be close for a while. It's going to be a chippy game. But in the end, I think it's going to be CU's talent and they cover whatever the spread is. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with CU on this one as well. Again, CSU might have some weird formations or weird plays to start the game, have some high emotion to start the game. But this, as Brad mentioned, it's one game where we can actually out-talent the other team. And I don't see the bus falling short on this one. If they they lose to CSU, then we don't need to talk about the rest of the schedule because we're right back where we were in 2022. So short of Shadur Sanders being injured on the first play and the Buffs struggling with a freshman quarterback, I don't see how CSU is going to win this game. And it's been kind of, I used to read the Colorado in all spring and summer and keep tabs on Fort Collins and what the CSU was doing and things like that, but not having to play in the first game of the season, been kind of nice just ignoring the Rams and <laughs> going about our business. So all three of us, for better or worse, have CU doubling its win total just in non-conference play, coming out with a 2-1 and one record. And then thanks to the Pac-12 wanting to, I suppose, have as much Dion time and as possible as CU opening at number 15, Oregon, to start Pac-12 play. Neil, this one's yours to start. Um, the Buffs did win in Eugene in 2016, that magical year. Uh, but that's the only win against the Ducks since CU joined the Pac-12. So Prime going to get his debut in the Pac-12, uh, an upset victory against the Ducks, or is this one we can write off and hope that it's not uh, too lopsided? Well, back in 16, the Buffs were the best that they had been for the previous 10 years and for any time since then. That was the best team CU had coincided with Oregon having one of their more mediocre squads. So we caught them just at the right time. Um, I think this is a case where CU's talent has improved, but not enough to overcome Oregon's talent, especially at quarterback in Bo Nix. Not sure what the line is yet, if there is one, but I think this is a loss for CU. Sorry to say. Yeah. Brad? Uh, and he hopes, as Neil mentioned, that was a down year in 2016. I think they finished four and eight that year, the one really bad season in the last decade for the Ducks. But uh, Coach Prime certainly thinks he can, you know, go into Eugene and beat Oregon. Or you share any faith, or is number 15 Oregon going to take care of business against the Buffs? They damn near always do. They, I mean, they're just, they have won the recruiting wars for a lot of years and they can turn over excellent players and rebuild. There's, you know, they're not probably as good as they've been this year, but they're still a nine or 10 win team and CU's not. 
Um, and to go to Eugene, which is not a place that we do particularly well in, despite 2016, this just feels like a game. I hope we can stay in it. I think it could be a little bit of a track meet, but I just see Oregon probably making this an easy 10-point win. Yeah. Okay. Well, doesn't get any easier. Buffs close out <laughs> September, coming back to play for the last time as Pac-12 members. Number six, USC. So, Brian, you get to start off with this one. See who has wins against Oregon in its history and at least one win as a member of the Pac-12. The Buffs remain over life against USC. I'm not sure if we're up to 15 or 0 and 16 at this point, but uh, never have beaten the Trojans. The Buffs' last chance, Pac-12 home opener against the hated Trojans. Number six, USC, who you got? We got no answer for Caleb Williams. I mean, our defense is going to be better. Uh, USC is going to win on just outscoring everybody to run into. And yeah, I think our defense will be better. We still have to see if we can get any pressure on Caleb Williams. But he is a star quarterback. He is somebody who's going to be making unimaginable amounts of money in the NFL very soon and earning most of it by any definition. Yeah, I, you know. It's nice to be home. Maybe we'll get a night game. Might even stay close for a little while. But again, we're just so vastly out-talented. And, you know, Lincoln Riley can coach a bit. So this this one feels like, sadly, once again, it could get uglier. Yeah. Okay. Neil, you uh, really, really, really want to beat the Trojans at least once before we head back to the Midwest. But uh, the game's at home. The fans will be up for it. But do you see any chance of CU upsetting preseason number six USC in Boulder on September 30th? I put little stock in preseason polls, and I've never done the stare and compare of the preseason poll with the final poll, but they're generally inaccurate. That said, Brad's right. USC gets the pick of the litter in California, mostly and elsewhere. Now that Lincoln Riley's back, that wasn't the case for many years where they bled a lot of talent to the SEC. But Riley brought in a lot of people, especially on offense, and they're a juggernaut. Their weakness, as we saw in the Pac-12 championship game last year, was and may still be defense. So I'm thinking that there is some possibility that CU's offense is going to start to click by then and we could see a high-scoring game. And in high-scoring games, strange things happen. However, not this time. I'm afraid <laughs> our upset chances are better, perhaps, with USC than with Oregon. But I, I just cannot find a way, at this point at least, without seeing uh, CU's offense and defense against playing against other people, how we're going to do. So I think the safe choice, the obvious choice, and probably – the wise choice is USC. Yeah, I'm afraid so. I I don't know. It's strange that all three of us went through September with the same predictions that uh, C will beat the two rivals at home and lose to the three ranked teams, which I don't know if the prognosticators agree with us or not, but Colorado gets out of September with a two and three record. So we're going back to you, Neil. Now it starts to get interesting. 
starts to get to the point where we might have some disagreements. On the road, October 7th, at Tempe, almost destined to be a night game still. I think the the rules are that they don't play any day games in September, but October 7th in Tempe might still be 100 degrees. So probably a night game on the road against the Sun Devils and their new head coach, who came over as the offensive coordinator, Dillingham from Oregon. And he changed over a lot of the roster, just under the radar, but not much going on in Tempe, but Arizona State seems to think that they're going to be have a pretty good team this year. So Buffs have to play them on the road. See you at Arizona State, October 7th. How do you see it playing out? Well, I think, as you allude, weather, <clears throat> excuse me, will be a factor. I can remember CU teams going down, say, back in the Hawkins era with Cody Hawkins, throwing the ball all over the place. CU had the lead, moved the ball around. But it, by the end of the third quarter, it was obvious they were wilting under the heat and ASU's superior talent at the time. I'm not sure that ASU has that kind of clout right now. Trying to be an optimist here, I can see, and I've said this before, so I'll try to be consistent, that with this coaching staff and the talent coming together for CU on both sides of the ball, they're going to start to click. And I think ASU may be a turning point for CU this year. And I'm going to go ahead and pick the buffs. Okay. Brad, mixed bag of success for CU in Tempe over the years. So finally playing somebody that's kind of at CU's level within the Pac-12 conference, getting Oregon and USC out of the way. Two and three, the you know the critics will be out in full force, saying that Dion doesn't know how to coach at the FBS level. Going on the road to face Arizona State, which I believe will have played one road game. I think they opened the season with either four or five straight home games. <laughs> you know, of course, Colorado doesn't get schedules like that, but they will probably have a winning record at that point. Some momentum. You think the Buffs will be able to take out the, the Sun Devils in the, the heat of Tempe on October 7th? Again, this is another team that turned over their roster almost completely and then has a coach who's never been a head coach. I mean, Kenny Dillingham, why, I don't understand why people are so impressed with thinking he's going to turn around the program. He's had success as an offensive coordinator. He just was a safer hire than Dion. And so this idea that Kenny's going to come in and having turned it all over from a team that wasn't that talented when he got there, I don't understand the love for Arizona State. And I, I understand there's not a lot of it, but there's no reason to think this team is better than CU. Now, CU is going to have to learn how to travel and how to beat teams their level on the road. Um, but this is a real bellwether game. I think CU probably can come into this game and I think they're going to be equally talented and I think our coaching staff's better. So I think Arizona state is where we kind of prove that we're better than some people think. Okay. Put you down for a W for the buffs against Arizona state. Yep. Okay. Well, I, I agree with you guys. Um, this game more than pretty much other than the Nebraska game certainly is, you know, a, a very important game in terms of psyche, in terms of how the season's going to unfold. But 
I think getting past Oregon and USC and starting to play teams at our level in the Pac-12, the result of the Arizona State game, I think, will have a large bearing on how the rest of the season goes. Mm. If CU falls to two and four halfway through the year, maybe there's a little bit of doubt creeping into the lineup. But uh, win on the road against Arizona State, three and three, uh, all things are still out there for him in terms of getting bowl eligible. So, Brad, uh, short turnaround on the road October 7th, play at home the next Friday. Fortunately, it's against Stanford, which is the only team that seems to be getting less positive press in the Pac-12. It was picked 12th in the Pac-12 media poll. Uh, C, of course, was picked 11th. Uh, and the Buffs get the Cardinal at home. So another first-year head coach, Troy Taylor, didn't get dealt a very good day, uh, very good hand uh, <laughs> in terms of what he could bring in in terms of transfers. And now, as we speak here in mid-August, his team is in limbo for 2024. Probably the second game on the schedule at this point that CU will actually be favored. Who you got uh, the Buffs taking on Friday the 13th, the Stanford Cardinal. This is 100% a get-well game. Um, hopefully, we'll have beaten Arizona State. Um, we get Stanford. You know, if we beat Arizona State on the road and then have Stanford come home, we should pummel these guys. I mean, I hate to say that, but you know, Stanford, you know, is the best educational school in the Pac-12. They are. They don't have the option to do turnovers like we have, or Arizona State has, or Nebraska has. So. They, that's a tough roster, and the road ahead looks really hard for a Stanford football team. This should be one, again, where we're probably more talented, probably better coached, and we're at home. So it would really be nice to win this one, and I think we will. Okay. Neil, you on board the uh, CU beating up on Stanford train, or is this uh, another trap game playing on a Friday night against the team with nothing to lose like CU? Well, coming off a road game for a short week of prep, not going to not going to be helpful, but there is home field advantage stuff that we have over the California kids. That's going to be important. But I think what I feel coming out of Palo Alto and the Stanford football program is a complete and deep pool of malaise. There just seems <laughs> to be no excitement by anybody, including them about their season coming up. And, you know, when Harbaugh was there, they were, they had talented people. They put kids in the NFL. They used innovative offensive sets and schemes. That seems to be completely gone now. And Stanford is just kind of a, a dinghy adrift uh, on San Francisco Bay. So I think this could be a point where CU building off the turning point game at ASU actually takes command and begins to exert itself talent-wise and physically over other teams. So I, I think this is probably a safe win for CU. Yeah, I've got it down as a, one, of the, one of the few games I feel really comfortable with. Stanford, you know, they let David Shaw stick around too long, too much loyalty there. I don't know what happened there, but it definitely has not the – Christian McCaffrey, Stanford teams, and 
doesn't seem like it's going to be like that for the foreseeable future. So take advantage of it while we can and pick up a W against Stanford, putting them see you at a four and three record, a winning record at this point. Uh, then there's a bye week, Neil, before so the Buffs actually have 15 days between the Stanford game and traveling to, in all likelihood, you know, CU's last trip to the Rose Bowl because, you know, they're, they're going to be playoff games after this. So it's going to be a while before CU might make it back to Pasadena, taking on Chip Kelly and the UCLA that was just outside the polls, number 28 in the AP preseason bowl. Interesting game. See you at UCLA October 28th. Who do you think is going to win that game? I don't know. So I'm going to have to just list a few things on either side, which is UCLA graduated its quarterback, and he was the difference for them in so many games. He was a terrific college quarterback, and it looks like he has a future in the pros. UCLA still has some of the receivers that gained so many yards against CU last year. Their lines are probably still a little bit better overall than CU's might be. And that's where games are won and lost. And I'm afraid I'm going to have to pick as much as I hate doing this, UCLA in that game. Okay. Well, Brad, CU has, has a one in the Rose Bowl only one win against UCL on the road, and that was uh, uh, 2002. So no wins on the road against UCLA as a member of the Pac-12. So he was alternating, was winning pretty regularly at home against UCLA. And as Neil alluded to, Dorian Thompson-Robinson apparently was not granted his eighth year of eligibility. <laughs> so... Uh, who do you think you got to see you have a chance to pull off the upset against UCLA on the road? A chance, yeah. On the road. I mean, Chip Kelly, for his many flaws, uh, personal and professional, can coach and usually has his team um, moderately ready in the middle of the season. Uh, I just, the Rose Bowl worries me. Uh, there is a talent gap there. Kelly knows his team better than. Then some, I uh, just, this one seems like a loss on the road for the Buffs. I would like it to be otherwise and that they could potentially keep it close, but it feels just too tough. Yeah, I have to agree with both of you guys. You know, if it plays out the way we're predicting it will, they'll be coming off a two straight win, some momentum heading off to UCLA and having a bye week. But going on the road and there will be a lot of buff fans there the last Southern California trip. So all the CU fans that want to see coach prime that live in the, you know, Southern California area, this is their one chance to, to see the Buffs. So there'll be a lot of black and gold in the stands, but yeah, I just don't see the buffs pulling this one out. Um, the buffs then return home the next two games. Uh, Brad, you get this one first. Preseason number 18, one of the Orphan Four, Oregon State, will be coming to Boulder to face your buffs. So another ranked team in the Pac-12. Beavers had 10 wins last year, have a lot back. Took care of business pretty handily against the buffs last year. Again, totally different roster. But uh, Oregon State versus Colorado in Boulder. 
what's going to happen when it's all said and done? Is this a potential win for the Buffs, or are the Buffs going to lose their second in a row? I am fascinated to know how the Orphan Four are going to treat this season. I really do think, you know, aside from Stanford, which I agree has is, is succumbed to a malaise, I think there's a good chance that the Orphan Three are going to come roaring out. And if anybody's going to do it, it's, it's, it's the Beavers. They've got some talent that they are. Um, that program seems to have really put itself together. If CU can win this one, and I think they can, it would really show that we've made a great deal of improvement. But I just think Oregon State's a little bit better organized, and they will have a lot to play for. I think they're going to come out like a buzzsaw this year and prove that they shouldn't have been left behind. I just I tend to think that Oregon State's a better football team with as much or more to play for than CU. So I would have to pick this as a loss. Okay. Neil, what do you think about the, the Beavers coming back to Boulder for the last time? Uh, maybe November 4th might be cold. Other advantages? I mean, CU's playing at home. You know, give it a chance for the Buffs to win this game or this look like another loss to a ranked team? I'm going to go with the uh, karma factor here. Uh, I, like you, was sitting in the stands when OSU visited was it four seasons ago? Well, I wasn't going to bring that game up. Yeah. <laughs> that was a tough day. That was a very bad day. 2018. Or, yeah. yeah. And so I'm thinking maybe somewhere out in the universe, there's this force that's going to allow CU to pay back on that. Um, certainly the players and coaches are not going to be the CU players and coaches are not going to be cognizant of that. The thing that worries me about OSU is they had two or three P, uh, linemen, offensive linemen on the two deep in the, the uh, preseason all-conference teams, and deservedly so. Those guys, that line really is the heart of that team, and they've run over the buffs consistently since Jonathan Smith took over and our XOC has been calling the plays up there. They've become an offensive juggernaut. Um, a question for our team is how well our front seven will do, particularly the front three or four. I'm thinking that OSU has a real advantage there. And despite CU's best efforts, we can't win this one. Okay. Yeah, of course, the game, you know, we're talking about the 2018 game. It was, what, 31-3 to after we scored, like, on the first offensive play of the third quarter, ended up losing 41-34 to in overtime. So you went into the game 5-2, and two, ended up the season 5-7. and seven. Uh, Just, yeah, not, not, not a good memory playing the Beavers in Boulder. So we are... It's like we just conspired to this together. We are exactly the same through the first nine games. November 11th, senior day, last home game of the season. It's going to be against Arizona. Neil, you get to lead us off. Is this uh, a win or has Jed Fish got things uh, well gets heading towards a bowl, which seems to be the prognosticator's favorite thing to talk about that they went from one win to five wins, and now they're going to get over the hump and have a winning season. 
Well, third year for Coach Judd Fish and his staff and players, they are improving. They're comers. I'd like to think that CU can play them evenly in terms of offense and score, if not freely enough. But my guess is that somehow, well, actually, I don't know. So I'm going to err on the side of optimism and in Coach Prime we trust and pick CU to win that game. I'm not sure I can come up with a good reason. Okay. Brad, you got a good reason for CU to beat Arizona on November, uh, well, uh, Veterans Day, November 11th? I think Arizona is kind of in the same tier of the Pac-12 as we are. I don't think they're a good team. By now, CU, by that time, CU should be coming together. We will know if the Lions can play or not. You know, if Shadur Sanders is upright by then. Um, <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it being at home. For some reason, though, I just have, I can't, I've got to, I can't find a way that we are right now a better team. I That may change well by mid-October. You know, if we have beaten Arizona State and Stanford and played UCLA and Oregon State tough, then we might even be favored against Arizona. But right now, two months down the road, three months down the road, I got to disagree with Neil. I think Arizona is the better team there. Okay. So our first breach uh, and our little perfectly um, symmetrical predictions here. I've got it down. I'm actually with Neil on this one. I'm going to put this down as a home win. And what actually sort of put me over the edge is the idea that it is the last home game. Not that we have a senior class that has bled black and gold for five <laughs> years, a bunch of fifth-year seniors that have been through the trenches and have followed Ralphie out for years and have died on Folsom Field and want to have their ashes spread on the 20-yard line. They don't have that loyalty or that history at the University of Colorado, but it is going to be the last home game for a lot of these um, transfers that we're expecting to have uh, – a lot of production. And again, it might be late. It's November 11th. It might be cold. Arizona people, they like to play in September at home when it's 110 degrees. They don't like to be at altitude when it's colder. So I don't know. I, I think that uh, if they lose their, like you, Brad mentioned, you know, between UCLA and Oregon State, but they're competitive, I think they could find a way to, uh, to pull this one off and make it a five and five record with two games left to try and get to that strive for six uh, and get to the bowl eligibility. So Brad, you've got him at four and six with two games to go on the road. Another short week traveling to Washington state mentioned the cold Friday night game, November 17th in Pullman. What do you think about uh, the bus taking on Washington State, the Cougars, for the last time, for the foreseeable future, and the Palouse? However, will we survive without those memorable trips to Pullman, Washington? <laughs> you know, what, what could have been? Um, this, is, this is the hardest game for me to pick. And by this time, 
these two teams could be going in completely opposite directions, and I can't even really predict which ones they may be. Washington State's, again, another team kind of in our tier. I don't think they're going to be a good team. I don't think they're going to be a bad team. They could be like Oregon State and want to take it out on the rest of the Pac-12 for being left behind. Again, it's in Pullman, which has proven to be a tough place to be. And if you want to talk about playing at night, some of the worst weather we've seen has been in Pullman. I really, really, really think this will be close, but I'm going to have to pick Washington State here. Uh, you know, and I know that that dooms our bowl eligibility on on mine, but I just I think there's I think that's a team that's ready to play together and and ready to at least defend home. Okay, well, Neil, you got them. You know, the striving for six wins, Buffs at five and five, heading off to Pullman, where the Buffs did win John Embry's lone win and. 2012 was the last second touchdown to beat Washington State after giving up 70 points to Fresno State the week before in that 111 memorable campaign. So playing the Cougars on a Friday night in the Palouse, who you uh, who you think is going to win that game? This is another mystery game for me. Short week travel, and as you guys mentioned, Brad. The horrible weather, the water coming down in sheets, blowing sideways, ice on the field. I just have a bad feeling that whole thing is going to somehow work against CU, that even though the team seems somewhat evenly matched, I'm going to pick Washington State there. Uh, I think CU will have had a run of very difficult, challenging games up to that point, and this may be their letdown before their final game of the year. So I'm going to pick them to not win. But to give a good, a good account of themselves, it's not going to be one-sided or a blowout. Okay. Well, the, the finale, you know, Saturday, Thanksgiving weekend, Salt Lake City against preseason number 14, Utah. Neil, you've got the Buffs at five and six. How many times have the Buffs been five and six playing Utah the final game of the season with a chance to go bowling? <laughs> uh, seems to be uh we've seen this record we've heard this record played before but uh buffs have not fared very well against utah and they're going to need this win to this game to uh get bowl eligibility so you're gonna see the miracle come through in salt lake city and the buffs pull off an upset against uh the utes or the buffs gonna end the season with a two-game losing streak and end up five and seven once again, I will invoke the mysterious levers and reactions in the universe and call upon the Groundhog Day effect to where we wake up and the clock is actually, or the calendar is actually moved. And despite all the things against CU, they're going to, to dig in their heels and win this game on the road. It's going to wow. be an emotional game. And I think so many reasons that Utah has a talent edge on both lines and their tight end and their receivers. They're just cam rising, although there's a question mark about how well 
he's going to be able to play. They always seem to have someone behind him. And I'm just going to play a long shot here, put down my my $10 at 50 to 1 and say the Buffs actually squeak this one out. Okay, 6 and 6, bowl eligible. Well, hey, you know, come on, Brad. John Embry beat Utah and Salt Lake City, so it can't be that hard. Oh, yeah, it can be. <laughs> you know, I mean, the only team that has our number more than Utah is USC. And, you know, we tried to force this rivalry and it never quite worked out in part because CU couldn't hold up its end. And, you know, the questions around Utah are how soon will Cam Rising be ready? Um, I think November is pretty fair to say November 25th, he'll be there. And he's just a good quarterback. I, I don't think he's a top 10 in the country quarterback, but he's he just makes that team win, and he makes them grind. Uh, again, you know, we could have just egregious weather in Utah at that time of year, or it could be you know, 55 degrees and sunny. This is just really a hard, hard place for CU to play. Um, I appreciate it, it, Neil's enthusiasm and optimism. Uh, this one I got to pick as a loss, um, making CU a four-win team in my, my predictions. Okay, well, we did split a little bit. Took November to get there, but uh, <laughs> we got Brad four and eight, finishing the season on a five-game losing streak. So you know, and the torches are out trying to get rid of Coach Prime and bring in somebody else. You know, Bronco Mendenhall might still be available. I have. <laughs> I have him at five and seven. Neil got him at six and six and going bowling. So we're kind of in the same ballpark. I mean, the way I, I kind of broke, I did a three, four, five. I was like three games I see as wins, CSU, Stanford, Arizona. Four games are automatic losses, TCU, USC, Oregon, and Utah. And then the other five games are going to decide the season. So mm -hmm. We, even though we're kind of putting it where the buffs were last year, or at least what we were hoping that we might be last year, we're still pretty optimistic compared to what the national pundits. I mean, the over-under is stuck at 3.5 at Vegas, and the national folks don't seem to think too highly of CU. I mean, the, when the Athletic did their little preview of the Pac-12, they both the uh, uh, writers had under – for they're going to bet under on 3.5. One guy says if CU wins four games this season, it would be a success. Um, both sides of the line of scrimmage are major question marks. The Buffalo's depth will be seriously tested during the first five games. The other one wrote, maybe Deion Sanders will surprise us all. But his unprecedented roster purge does not breed confidence that this will be a markedly better team. The Buffs may have no depth. And, of course, talk about the brutal schedule. So, markedly better team. I mean, wow. I mean, I think every team in the country is a markedly better team than the 2022 Buffs. But, anyway, <laughs> we, uh, we'll we see how it all plays out. And, again, we were going to go week by week, and we'll do our tips, the predictions that we'll post in a podcast weekly. So, briefly, since we're already running kind of long here, I promise that we talk a little bit about the Pac-12 as a whole in its last season. So, Neil, I'll start with you. Okay, you got 
the top tier would be USC, Washington, Utah, Oregon. And I'll, I'll let you throw in Oregon State if you like. What two teams are going to be playing since, of course, we don't have divisions anymore? What two teams do you see playing for the Pac-12 championship out of that group? Or, you know, is Washington State going to rise from the ashes and, you know, or Cal going to surprise everybody? What what two teams do you see? Uh... <laughs> Sorry. You yeah. notice when I talked about the remainders getting t- getting tough, Cal was not in not that on discussion. The list of, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I did. So USC, Washington, Utah, Oregon, Oregon State, out of those five, which two are going to be playing for the Pac-12 title in its swan song? I think the safe money would say SC and Oregon. I'm going to substitute UW for Oregon. Okay. Brad, who you who you got playing in the Pac-12 title game? Man, I hate to be echoing that, but I would uh... – you know, I don't think I, Bo Nix, he's going to be insane this year, 4,000 yards. I just, something about this Washington team seems better than they have been. Um, I'm glad we don't have to face them. I just think that they're good enough to, to play. I would love for Utah to upset USC again because it's just fun to watch, but it really feels like SC and Washington. But if it's SC and Oregon, who's going to be sitting home shocked? Yeah. So I'll come back to you, Brad. Why um, not much love for Utah? Is it just because Cam Rising's injury is out there? I mean, they, you know, they seem to be picked second or third every year, and they're two-time defending champion. Um, and Oregon, of course, wins 10 games a year because I think Phil paid for that. So – why, what's wrong with the uh, the two contenders that aren't going to make it to the back 12 champion, championship game? I think, again, Utah has been so based on, on Cam Rising that I think, especially with him perhaps not at full strength against Florida and Baylor to start the season, I think that makes it hard for them. They've got to go to SC not some place that they have a lot of a lot of luck. They do get Oregon at home, but they also get Washington on the road. I mean, this is this is a tough schedule. Um, yeah. you know, it's just um and I think especially since I mean they've got UCLA early. Um they've got U Oregon State on the road. It's this yeah. is a, this is a hard schedule and, and if rising is not good enough they it just feels like there are pitfalls there in the in the beginning and middle of the season and then tough teams at the end uh it just feels like a little bit more than they can probably handle this year i think you know willingham's heck of a coach um and is doing a heck of a job there but i just i don't see it working out quite the way they hope Okay, well, Neil, let me phrase it a little bit differently for you. We got five ranked teams in the preseason. I know you don't believe in preseason rankings, but in the last year of the four-team playoff, is this going to be a year where the Pac-12 eats its own and is denied a you know a possible uh, playoff opportunity because everybody ends up with a ten and two record? Seems to work out that way every year, and I think with the Buffs upsetting Utah, that's going to knock them out of the championship game. 
Sorry, need to be consistent. <laughs> uh, but I think, like Brad said, Penix is is a, just a ripper, and he's going to take that team a long way. I think somehow, I just feel like maybe it's wishful, magical thinking that it's time for Utah to fall back just a little bit because they've been so good for so long. Maybe this is the year where they get a little complacent. Maybe they have some injuries, you know, something like that. So I, I think Utah is uniformly strong, and they've got a great coach. My goodness. But I think their time has passed. Okay. Well, I want to talk more about the Pac-12, but we're almost up against an hour here. So what I'm going to do is we're going to talk a little bit more about the Pac-12 in general when we do our preview for TCU, because when we do the normal weekly podcast during the season, you're going to have a review and a preview, and we won't have a review to do for our TCU preview. So maybe we'll talk a little bit more about the Pac-12 and how it's going to shake out in its final season when we do our first game picks for the TCU game, do our tips uh, preview, which will be out, I think, Monday or Tuesday, the week before the TCU game. So until then, uh, thank you, gentlemen, for your insights, and we'll see how the 2023 season plays out for your buffs. Football is coming. Two weeks from Saturday. Wow. Thank you both for listening to the podcast and for being a member of the Buff Nation, which remains the talk of the nation. I hope you're subscribing to the podcast so you won't miss any of the upcoming episodes. We have partnered with Mile High Sports and are pleased to be part of their podcast network. As always, you can find the See You at the Game podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other podcast sites. Or... If you're not a fan of downloading podcasts, all of the episodes for the See What the Game podcast can be listened to at the See What the Game website. I will be back soon with Neil and Brad, and we'll be bringing you our first tips preview. We'll be talking about the TCU game, and then we'll be coming back to you weekly throughout the regular season with our reviews and our previews. Until then... Be well, stay safe, and go Buffs. Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to cuatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time, when we will again see you at the game. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones 
who get it done.